You're listening to the Crowned One Podcast on the Stream Grace Network. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us. I'm Stephen Cunningham with my wife, Rebecca, here from Crowned One Ministries. Hello, hello. And we're so thankful that you joined us again as we... uh, just, you know, we reach out to different ministries and different churches and different aspects of the body so that we can link arms together, you know, and our whole vision is to unite the body and bring the five-fold ministry back into the uh, the church. So, good morning, Rebecca. You look great, by the oh, way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> this, I'm really looking forward to today. This can be good. Yeah, we got our associate uh, pastor in here, Darren, you know, producing things in here, so sitting here looking at us like we're crazy but anyway <laughs> we sure appreciate you guys joining us and thank you and hope you enjoyed last podcast with mario Murillo. Uh, that was great we had a good time on that and uh andrew before that but today man we have a great show for you uh man one of my favorite teachers of all time um bob yandian pastor bob yandian uh from up in tulsa pastor bob can you hear us Yes, and I paid you, Stephen, to say that about me. <laughs> well, you know what? I take cash, check, no more coins, I guess. No one's taking cash, you know. But anyway. Probably no one's taking checks anymore. <laughs> so, Bob, I was, I, yeah, I, was in church, I was in a church last week, and they take bitcoins. Oh, Are wow. you serious? Yeah. Yeah, they have uh, you know, they have a thing for uh, currency there that you can do that. So, anyway. Wow. I it's had... working. <laughs> <laughs> we must need to get mining here. Yeah, I'll tell you what. <laughs> we need to, I guess, get with the times. I don't know. But anyway, Pastor Bob, man, I tell you, what Grace Fellowship Church for 33 years, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Wow, and uh, uh, it's just one of our all-time favorites. Matter of fact, we were just up at the Minister's Conference in Colorado with Andrew Womack Ministries, and uh, Pastor Bob was speaking there, and man, just blew us away. I mean, it was awesome. We... Uh, we, we were uh, taking notes. Our whole leadership team went, and that was just, I just wanted to give you some props for that. I mean, mm-hmm. legitimately, you don't, have, you know, and you don't have to pay us for this one. It was awesome. <laughs> okay. Okay. First one's free. <laughs> okay. Hey, you paid, you paid me for that one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And what was, to see, the book was Theology Simplified, and we, uh, uh-huh. yeah. I know Darren picked it up, and uh, so we're going to pass that around, and we're going to get a few copies for our church, so. Good. Good. Awesome, and we'll That's let you right. talk about that. I, I don't mean to steal all your thunder. I just wanted to uh, just brag on you a little bit because, man, you know, as we we have a ministry, but we just started a church last year, and it's really, uh, matter of fact, all right, one more plug here, shameless plug. I bought your book, your box that comes with like two hundred and something different books in it, one of everything. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And that's on the shelf behind me. And I tell you, that has just been instrumental with us walking out this church in the first few steps and stuff. So thank well, you for that. You're welcome. That's great. That's great news. I enjoy good testimonies. Oh. Hey, yeah. You know, something else is probably some people in here know we started a church and it's been really, really awesome for us to be able to glean from all these years that you guys have had you know you as well as others you know you've done all the stuff and you know learned some good things and it can help us kind of go a little faster sure yeah awesome well that's great yes absolutely your church church is doing well it's what i hear yes sir it's growing by leaps and bounds uh which Which means that, you know, we have enough in the pews now that we can actually hand things down the pew and someone doesn't have to just <laughs> an usher hand it to one person and then the, that person hands it to the other usher. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, listen, be thankful for every person that walks in the door. 
Amen. Oh, man, we are. Amen. It could be another Or Roberts or another Billy Graham. Praise God. Hey, we're just, you know, we're willing is what we're, you know, we're willing. And that's what we said. We said, Lord, you, you ask us to do something, we'll do it, you know, no matter what it is. Yeah. And sure enough, he goes, oh, okay, well, here you go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we yeah. said, are you sure? We just want to hear that one more time. He said, yes, I'm sure. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Well, we're going to shut up here in a minute and let you talk, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong on your mission. Uh, I heard this and, and Darren had, had uh, we're talking about this earlier, um, to train up a new generation in the word of God through your student of the word broadcast. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. That's what it's for. I'm, I, I love seeing people get saved, but my biggest thrill is to see them become discipled and to see the stability come in their life and the changes to where they begin to live their life like Jesus would. So to me, that's the biggest thing. And I've often said this too about, uh, you know, witnesses, that really a brand new convert is not the best witness. You need a disciple because babies don't produce babies, adults produce babies. Mm. And uh, that's what God really wants us for. I mean, yes, a brand new Christian can get somebody saved, but they don't know how to answer questions. They don't know what to do when religion comes against them. But the more you know about the word of God, you become more fearless as far as the world's concerned because you now have answers to give to them. Awesome. And that's yeah. great. Well, you know, um, one thing I was going to ask you that, you know, these podcasts, I love them because it's just kind of like we're sitting in the same room talking, you know, even though you're in Tulsa and we're in Oklahoma City. Um, uh-huh. So when we did the video interview with you, we'd, we had had some issues with internet connections and all that. But what we were asking, what you just kind of blew us away with, and I, and I hope you wouldn't mind revisiting that just a little bit, was... So what's going on in the world right now with the, with the with the government the way it is and with the mandates coming out and people just living in fear and listen you've been teaching Bible a long time and uh-huh. and it just kind of I, I bet it's just laying out in front of you like a like a like a path or something so can you just kind of share I mean anything that's on your heart or what the Holy Spirit wants you to talk about about what's going yeah, on in the world. Uh, yeah, now I do believe in the rapture. There's some people that don't believe in the rapture and, and all that. I, I have no problem with them. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's not a heaven or hell issue. You don't have to, you know, confess that you believe in the rapture to get saved. But I do believe in the rapture of the church. But And that's what we're coming to. Every time we've had a world leader rise up and somebody say, well, I think that could be the Antichrist. It's always been one nation. It's been a Germany or it's been a Japan, uh, you know, a Cuba, something like that. But for the first time ever, we've got all the nations in the Bible that it says will work together to overthrow, uh, first of all, Christians, and next of all, Israel. And uh, we see that working right now. We have um, Russia and China, the two major ones that are seen in the book of Revelation. Plus, we also have the Muslim nations working together. And uh, for the first time ever, all this is just really coming together. And I like to tell people this. I said, you know, Jesus is coming back. And the point of it is, is he he promised to the church we have not been appointed under wrath. And there is going to come a day of God's wrath. He has held off on his wrath for over 2,000 years for the dispensation, the time period of grace. But just like there came a time when he had to show uh, show his wrath as far as the, uh, the flood was concerned in Noah's day, he said, I'm giving 120 years of grace. He said, preach this and tell the people about it. But at the end of that time, if I don't come and destroy what's happening here, it'll overcome the righteous. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, people have often said, why would God send uh, wrath? It's to protect us. Anytime you love your wife, you protect her. And some people say, well, is it right to kill? Well, the Bible brings out that it is right to kill in three occasions, and one of them is self-defense. And really what God is coming down to, there's a time of self-defense when Satan's trying to overthrow God, that God's going to display his wrath for our sake. Much like he defended the children of Israel when they came into uh, the land of Canaan. And he actually fought with them in their battles to preserve them. So just like I'd stand up for my children or my wife, you know, God's going to stand up for us. But first of all, before all that happens, he's going to take us out of the way. And I believe that's what's coming very, very soon. And really, uh, you know, what, what Andrew keeps talking about, the uh, rising up in our own nation of the third great awakening, it's really more than the United States. This is a worldwide revival. And the, re- and the time of coming up of the tribulation is the greatest time of revival the world has ever seen. And all revivals literally have been pointing to this one that's happening now. This is the one that Kenneth Hagin prophesied of and Oral Roberts prophesied of. And right. even, uh, even uh, uh, Smith Wigglesworth prophesied and said there's coming a revival that's going to go around the world. And he showed two hands meeting over Australia and said that uh, the revival was spread around the world and into Australia. And he said the two hands represent the Spirit and the Word. He said this will be the first revival we've ever seen where the Spirit and the Word agree. In other words, there's been revivals of the Holy Spirit. I've come to revivals of the Word, the Word movement, you know, that Kenneth Hagin, and other ones that clearly covered the world. But for the first time ever, they're, they're going to agree. And it's going to be the greatest revival, again, the world has ever seen. So, yes, we're going to see it in the United States with our awakening, but it's going to hit every nation of the world because this is coming a time of worldwide outpouring of Satan's wrath, but also a time of God's mercy and grace showing his redemption toward those that accept him and, of course, his vengeance and anger toward those that reject him. So uh, what I'm seeing right now is, is I know there's a lot of fear around us, but the Bible told us as Christians when you see these things begin to come to pass, not when they're coming to pass. When you see beginning to come to pass, look up because your redemption awesome. is very close. Wow. So that's what I look forward to. Amen. That's good. So Oof. let me ask you this. So uh, when you're saying all that, it just Oof. stirs, you know, stirs that just inside of me. I just, uh, I just get excited. Uh, when I when I was a kid, I used to be afraid when my mom would talk about mm-hmm. that. Me too. And I, you know, and I'd watch the, you know, the Eastern sky was going to split and, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I've been watching TV and I shouldn't have been watching TV and, you know, all that stuff. But now as we get this knowledge, we get the knowledge of the word and we, we, we figure and we, we learn God's character, you know, not to destroy us, it's to save us. And, yeah. um, what, what I wanted to ask is, you know, we the world. There's a secular world. There's a world that's completely antichrist. It's against God. But do you feel, and maybe it's not just me or not just us, but do you feel like a lot of that pushback is coming from within the church? Um, I, I, I've spoken to pastors and stuff like that, and they're just like, no, no, no. This is you know, you're, you're just you're just worrisome. You're you know you're 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 thinking about things that are going to come and. And if we start talking about how we're supposed to do in politics, how we're supposed to have godly people, and they just turn their backs on us, is there a mm-hmm. is there a big separation in the church in Christ? 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's been coming for some time. And to me, it really, it comes back to the ministers who tried to secularize the church mm-hmm. to get the world to come in and accept Jesus. But they come in and they don't see any difference between the world and the church. They're looking for something that's radically different. Their life isn't working. And they come to church, instead of presenting Jesus, we present more of a social gospel. And uh, we, we accept them as they are. And we should accept them in the front door as they are, but they shouldn't leave as they are. Uh, so we need to get back. That's why the gospel is so important. But there's churches waking up. But I just got a call today, and, and I'm supposed to call him back, of a man that said, you know, for so long we've been praying for the sick in a back room. He said, the Lord really impressed me. We need to pull it out there where people can see it. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's been a major thing. We get people saved in the back room. We get them filled with the Holy Spirit in the back room, if they believe in the Holy Spirit. And also, you know, we take them back there for any kind of healing or anything. But, man, we need to pull it out front where people can see it. Because in the book of Acts, it happened on the streets. People got healed on the streets, and because of the one man that got healed at the gate, beautiful, 5,000 people received Jesus. Wow. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached that sermon, 3,000 Jews, devout Jews, got saved in front of everybody. And to me, this is where the revival is coming, is this is God's going to take it to the to the mainstream, to the world, right in front of everybody. It's going to be seen on television. The two witnesses are going to be seen worldwide at the same time when they come. And God's going to broadcast this to the world because Christianity doesn't belong in a back room. It belongs out where people can see it. And so, again, for so long, we've been afraid of offending people when, you know, they don't want, they're not coming to church to, to, you know, to not be offended. They're coming to church to find out the answer, and we won't give them the answer. We give them everything but the answer. So I agree with you. Paul pointed out when he left the ministers at um, Ephesus in chapter um, 20 of the book of Acts, after that great revival in chapter 19, he spoke to the pastors in chapter 20 and said, Beware of sheep that come in, or of wolves that come in sheep's clothing. Wolves that come in sheep's clothing are outside the church. They're false prophets. They're unbelievers. They're really wolves. They're not. They're not sheep, but they come in looking like sheep. They come in with sheep's clothing. But the next statement he says, "It's out of your own midst." He said, "There's going to come in people from the outside that 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 look like Christians and act like Christians, but they're not." But then the worst thing he said was, "But out of your own midst, your people arise." teaching perverted things, twisted things. And that's what we've had in the church. Honest, honestly, believers, but know nothing about the Bible and twisting the truths of God's word. When today we need people to stand up and understand the word of God and will preach it without any kind of compromise, preach it without any kind of fear and let the Holy Spirit move and let conviction come. And this is a kind of revival where, again, Andrew's been talking about the revivalists of the past. They didn't come with any kind of, kind of compromise or excuse or any kind of apology. They just opened their mouth and let her rip, and that's what I believe we're headed to right now. Cool. Wow, that is great. So, uh, if, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to just ask you some very uh, some some questions that pertain to church, just because I know you have so much experience there and so much wisdom. Let's say uh, let's say you're ministering in your church, and there is someone there that just you you keep providing them the word, you keep teaching them the word, and they just continue to rebel and act out and do those things. Was it hard? I mean, is it hard to actually ask someone, hey, or is it even, you know, reasonable to say, hey, listen, you know, you're you're, you're causing, you know, strife and uh, all these issues in the church. Uh, would it be advisable just to ask them not to come back until they repent? Or how, how would you handle that? 
Well, I'm going to ask them first. In fact, if you want to find this out, go look at the book of Titus, because Titus said that there actually comes time you have to get rid of these people because you can't have them in the church. And, and, and feel, you know, there's people saying, well, if you don't, if you really love them, then, uh, you know, that uh, if you really love them, you'll talk to them, and, and, and but you won't kick them out of the church. No, there comes a time when you have to kick them out of the church. Right. And let them, and because uh, you, you're looking for the rest, uh, you're looking toward the rest of them. There's times you have to fire an employee because somebody's doing things wrong and it's hurting the rest of the people trying to do a good job. It's the same way in a church. You have to let a person go. So again, ask them to leave. If they won't leave, then we actually had one guy in our church that was uh, causing such division that we went to our attorneys and they drew a legal paper up and said that if he comes back, we can have him arrested. Wow. So that's how far we went. That's how much I protect the people. I mean, you're, you've got, in one hand, you've got a staff. The other hand, you have a rod. The staff is to help pull up honest Christians that are trying hard and they fall off to the side. You know, but then they, the club, on the other hand, is for those that you have to hit to, you know, to straighten them out. If they won't straighten out, you have to ask them to leave the church. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, we... Um you know, as we're as we're just you know are dealing with things as we're walking through this, and you know there I know there are others. We speak to other pastors all the time, and they're you know, and we just uh, always refer them back you know to the Word and say you know well, what are we supposed to do? Let's get together. Let's pray about this. And that wisdom that comes with just years of doing this, I said, is just invaluable. And and uh-huh. Andrew, Andrew always says, you know, hey, listen, I. I went to the school of hard knocks. You know, you don't have to go there, but if you want to, you can. But you know, you can learn yeah. some lessons from the the path that we've had, and uh, yeah. just uh, so that's why we just appreciate you guys so much with what you have done. And so we're trying to glean as much as we can from yeah. from what you guys are doing. Oh boy, we do. Well, we have a guy in Tulsa. In fact, he's gone from church to church, and uh, the church I pastored, he was there just a few weeks ago, and he just stands up in the middle of the service and starts yelling and prophesying against the church and prophesying that the Lord has anger and vengeance against the church because it's teaching wrong things. And so uh, finally the pastor of the church just literally had him picked up by the ushers and put outside and told him never to come back. Well, he goes to other churches and does the same thing. And so... Uh, what we what the church started doing was calling these churches ahead of time and warning them about this one guy that could be coming in, and he's just got this thing where he he believes he's he's God's prophet to straighten out all the churches, and there's no church that's right except for him. Wow, oh. that's a dangerous spot to be in, isn't it? Yes, it is. My, My goodness. goodness. Well, let me um, and I hate to just pull something just out of the air on you, I, I, and I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to put you in a tough spot. Oh, you love to do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't you? This is your he's, he's actually sitting over here hey, going moo ha ha. I'm checking off my list here for things for church. Anyway, um, so what do you know about? And could you tell us anything? And and if you don't, it's fine. I mean, it's just you know, I know you do. I know you're like an encyclopedia of stuff. But um, what about the Jezebel spirit? Is that a is that a legitimate thing? And have you ever had any experience with that? No, I've never. You know, I don't. You, you don't find that phrase in the Bible of, of you know a Jezebel spirit. What you find is Jezebels in church, and it's just you know it's in that case it's women. It's referring to women of which Paul told Timothy, "Beware of those women, silly women." And but they cause division or they try to take over. And this is really what Paul was talking about to the church. We said that he didn't agree with women teaching in the church. It was women that try to teach over the men. In other words, they come and they get attitudes where they interrupt and things like that. God has no problem with women teachers as long as they're compliant. And it's just like men. I mean, I wouldn't have a, a man stand up and tell me what to do in the middle of a church service. I'd have him ushered out. But apparently in the church that he was referring to there, there were women that were doing that. And uh, it says, 
no, don't do this. Ask your husbands at home. And it didn't mean the husband was superior. He's just a representative for the home. And so the children tell, and so the man asked the questions in the church service, but not that they were against women. But again, they had problems with women, especially the church at Ephesus where Timothy was pastoring and Timothy was afraid to handle it. And he was just simply saying, you need to straighten this thing out. So to me, that's what a Jezebel spirit is. And I know what they're referring to. It's women that try to take over. And you go back to Jezebel in the Old Testament. But as far as that actual Jezebel spirit, I don't see it. I know it's brought up in the book of Revelation. It talks about that woman, Jezebel. But uh, again, Paul saw as many you know, men not doing the job throughout, especially in Acts chapter 20, where he referred to those coming out of your own midst, uh, which were passing. In fact, what he's saying was, there's some sitting here right now, they're going to do this. You're going to teach these twisted things. And I thought it was interesting that Paul actually mentioned four of them in the books of First and Second Timothy, four men that he was dealing with and actually named their names. Now, this wasn't to a congregation. I mean, I, I have to tell pastors this, is that nowhere in the Bible did Paul ever bring out somebody except for Peter one time in, in Galatians that Peter did something so messed up that Paul had to actually deal with it in the church, but never did he bring up names from, from week after week mentioning, don't follow this guy, don't follow that guy. But he did in a letter to an individual, like what you and I say now, Stephen, between each other, you know, if we sit in a room is one thing, but when we get up in the pulpit and announce it to the congregation, that's something else. Right. So, Okay, what he was simply saying was these men have caused you know harm and they're teaching wrong things. Be talking to an individual, to Timothy. What we talk about in a back room is different than what we talk about from the pulpit. But uh, again, the Jezebel type women have to be dealt with, first of all, back in a room somewhere rather than just dealing with them all the time in public. And I'm against ministers who deal with it in public unless the person makes a public display. Then you have to. Awesome. Now, does that help any? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We just, you know, as we're, as we're <laughs> we laugh a little bit about guys walking out of church, going, "Man, that that wife of mine, she's got the Jezebel spirit." But you know, <laughs> we're talking about the legitimate type issues where someone's uh-huh. trying to cause strife and division. Yeah. So, are yeah. you but saying no that? Problem. Go ahead. Are you saying if they do that publicly, that they need to be corrected publicly? But oh, but absolutely. You- they stand up and they they do something publicly in the church. They start screaming and yelling at people. Yeah. Yes, you have to publicly escort them out and believe me your congregation will breathe a sigh of relief yeah. thank you Pat, Oof, for, for doing for protecting us yeah uh-huh praise god that's good that's yeah, so good is. so uh cha- changing gears a little bit here so <laughs> pardon the pun uh have you been doing anything with uh old vintage cars or anything lately <laughs> Actually, I sold the last vintage car I had. By my age, I'm tired of fixing them all the time. You know, <laughs> I had a guy. I had a guy in our Mustang group. This guy. This, this guy was. You know, he's older than I am. But he came up and said, "He said they haven't built a decent car since the 1960s." I said, "Are you crazy?" <laughs> I said, "Points and plugs and carburetors and engines that wear out at about eighty thousand miles. Now they got them today, where engines can go a half a million miles. You know, if you just take care of them." Said, "You know." Thank God for good cars today, better cars. But, you know, the thing that made those cars good looking back then was just the looks of them. That's all. Just They had a great <laughs> look. And other than that, mechanically, I'll take a new car any day. Thank you. Oh, that, listen, that's what I'm screaming. Air conditioner, power steering, heated uh-huh. seats. That's what I like. Yeah. All that yeah. good stuff. You know, yeah, I like to in cruise control. Oh, wow, that's great. Oh, yes. You know, they've got smart cruise control now, which, you know, if. <laughs> Uh, of course, I pay attention when I drive. You know, I'm a, I'm a good driver, and Rebecca's elbowing me here. Hmm. Um, but 
uh, you know, they have the smart crews where it actually will stop for you and then continue again after the car in front of you starts. So that's crazy. I, and I rented a car like that one day, but I didn't like it, so I turned it off. Oh. It's like it's insulting you telling you you can't drive well. Let me drive <laughs> for you. It's right. kind of creepy. I feel like that anybody could just turn it off. Well, well you, you, uh-huh. you gave away the last classic car you had. Now, as we got I didn't this. Give it away. You, oh, okay. I was going to say. Um, I sold it for a good profit. <laughs> I had it for years, and, and they kept going up in value. When I finally sold it, I thought, that wasn't bad at all. You can't do that with a new car. Well, are you at liberty to say what kind it was? Yeah, it was a 1967 Mustang Fastback 390. Oh, oh. my gosh. that's My cousin had one of those in college. That's what uh-huh. we drove around in in college the whole time. Oh, yeah. It oh. was nice. Well, you yeah. know, Pastor Bob, we, we could have given you a, a letter of gift in kind you know for the for the value of that and <laughs> he'll, he'll think about that for uh, next anyway. time maybe yeah i'm a what do i, what do, I do with the letter <laughs> you can frame taxes. it, it on the wall. Right. frame it yeah but uh my favorite was a uh it was like a 1970 uh camaro ss i believe oh yeah i like the bodies yeah. on yeah, those yeah good. oh yeah very good looking very good so uh, when we did the video interview with you, you told us a little bit about your family, about your history. Um, I, I know, and, and this isn't just a question about me asking just out of uh, ignorance or anything. I just wanted to know, what do you feel about genealogy? And Because my family line actually goes back to the first reformation in england with john knox where it was uh-huh. it was my ancestor alexander cunningham that allowed john knox to have the first communion in england protestant communion wow. on his uh-huh. property because no one else would let him uh-huh. hey you know what about that it was kind of cool we were in scotland standing it's at the finley stone estate in glasgow and we were standing there 500 years close to to the day I know to the month, right? Is that right? But we were standing there under this original yew tree where Alexander Cunningham had that first Protestant Reformation for John Knox and risk all that wealth and land and everything uh, to defy to defy them and say, no, we don't have to go through a, a priest uh-huh. to talk to God. And it was just cool. The Lord showed us later he, that, that that Cunningham was standing there 500 years later. Well, that's, you know, and that's just, just this little part of, of our history. I just was wondering, what do you think, uh, how important genealogy is as far as us being Christians? I mean, is it or is it not? Or is it just, you know, something that could be, but just not necessarily? No, I think it plays an important part. Although, you know, once you get born again, you're not seen as a citizen of this world. You're seen as a citizen of heaven. You know, you change citizenships. Uh, but as far as in the natural, yes. Uh, what's interesting is to go back and like in my dad's family and my mother's family, there was not very many Christians. My dad's Armenian. And his, his father came over from Armenia at the time of the Armenian massacre and came over to the United States, but he was Christian. And my, his family was not Christian. My dad's brothers and sisters weren't Christian. My dad wasn't. But at the end of World War II, when my dad came back and met my mother, she was uh, from the South, and even though her families had gone to church, none of them were saved. And my mother wasn't saved, but they ended up going because they stayed at a person's house, 
And when uh, they they uh, were headed to Enid, where he had been in the uh, military, and, and my mom liked the town of Enid, and so they were driving to move there after my dad got out of the military, and they ran out of gas in Tulsa. <laughs> and so this couple that my mom knew, because my mom said, I think I've got some relatives here, and she called them. They said, well, yeah, come over and stay in our basement. And they were born-again spirit-filled Christians. And so the second night my mom and dad were in the basement, you know, they yelled down the stairs and said, you kids want to go to a revival. And my dad said, what's a revival? My mom said, well, I'm a Baptist. That means it's a big, long church service. He said, I don't want to go to a church service. (laughs) And she said, yeah, but they're giving us the room free. And he went, okay, I'll go. Mm. So they went that night. Both of them got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit a few nights later and radically changed. Now, from my mom and dad, I'm saved, my sister's saved, our kids are saved, my sister's kids are saved, our grandkids are saved, and this thing keeps getting bigger, and from that, my dad was a pastor, I'm a pastor, my son's a pastor, my granddaughter is a praise and worship leader, the thing just keeps going on and on and on, and you see what happens with one person, and how it drastically affects the the direction of the genealogy, to where... You know, once it starts, it goes on. Uh, Rick Renner did a teaching on it. He talked about the the people that followed Jesus and traced them out. He talked about uh, Jesus' mother, Mary, and where she ended up. And she uh, was working in churches from that time on. Jesus' sisters married ministers. And recorded history says that their, their uh, husbands were pastors in the early churches in the book of Acts. So you see what happens when uh, a family meets Jesus, how how the, the, the greater one inside of you changes that family. That's and uh, so I think that's why it's important. It's kind of like this. If you want to get light in a room, you know, uh, once you get the first light bulb in there, you can light all the other light bulbs from that one. And that's what happens with a family member that gets born again. It can light up the other ones after that. Amen. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. We, uh, we really, you know, we, we, we put a lot of stock in that because you're right. I mean, it just, you know, just feeds from one to the next, to the next, to the next. And I just, I just, it's just amazing. Um, yeah. Thank God for a godly heritage. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, uh, Darren here, we were talking earlier and you were having a conversation, I believe with Tony Cook and talking about what is the church missing today? Uh, can you speak a little to that? Uh, it's missing the word. That's the main thing it's missing. Uh, I love the Holy Spirit, the sense and feel of the Holy Spirit, but the listeners, nothing that'll sustain you outside the word. And today what you hear is mainly good thoughts and maybe a scripture sprinkled in with it. But instead of preaching the word and then attaching a little testimony to it, they preach a testimony and add a little word to it. And the people are walking out with a, with a nugget in their hand thinking they got fed well when the word of God says to preach the word, teach the word, uh, you know, open it up. Uh, what somebody said was, we've gone from exegesis to eisegesis. Oh, and what right. that means is with exegesis, you actually extract the truth out of the scripture. But with eisegesis, you try to inject the, the truth into a scripture. The, the scripture doesn't need truth added to it. It is truth. And so we need more and more people that will just take the scriptures, open them up, and teach what the word of God has to say. And I've said this before, you know, um, people often talk about, you know, what, what do you do to remember a sermon? Well, we, if you're in a denominational church, you grew up around three point sermons and you know, every sermon was three points. You say, and you ask them, why do you teach a three point sermon? They said, well, that's so people will remember it. Well, ask people, do you ever remember any of those three point sermons? <laughs> the answer is no, you don't remember any of them. Well, it didn't work, did it? Yeah. 
Well, today we switched over and now we've got props on the platform. And I don't mind a prop now and then, but we got props and what's a prop for? So people won't forget the sermon. But do you remember those prop sermons? The answer is no. What is it you remember? When you're studying the word of God in church and the Holy Spirit gives you a revelation on a verse, you never forget it. Mm-hmm. It's there forever. And it's revelation is what we need. That's the anointing of the Holy Spirit on the word of God. And the Holy Spirit will tell you, if I point to anything, I will point you to the Word of God. In fact, the major way the Holy Spirit leads us is He leads and guides us into all truth. So the first thing the Holy Spirit does is He'll reveal a scripture to you when you need guidance. Man, that's great. He brings back to remembrance those things Jesus said. That's right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Man, that's good. That's just, man, I wish we could do yeah. this all day long. Um, uh, okay. I'll go here. This <laughs> And bear with me on this. Okay, I'm just going to say one word, and I just want you to expand on it. All right, ready? Uh huh. Dinosaurs. What? Dinosaurs. Well, you're getting into something. Okay. Well, you're getting into what's radically different. I'm radically different. I do believe in a pre-Adamite work in world, and I believe that Satan ruled on this earth before Adam and Eve were ever here. I believe the earth is millions or perhaps billions of years old. And Adam ruled, pardon me, Satan ruled, or Lucifer ruled from the Garden of Eden. And that was his headquarters. In fact, we're told that in Ezekiel, that you have been in Eden, the Garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. And he ruled from there, but there was a day he decided to overthrow God. And on the earth at that time was dinosaurs. I believe there was some kind of of creature here that looks like a man. It could be cavemen or whatever, you know. The Bible's pretty silent on that, except Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Verse two says, and the earth was without void. No, the Hebrew says the earth became without void, without form and void. And darkness, on God never created this thing in, in darkness and in void, he created it beautiful. And we're told in Isaiah, he did not create the earth without form and void. It says it distinctly, but about chapter one and verses one and two of Genesis says, the earth became without form and void. When it became without form and void was when Satan rebelled against God. Lucifer rebelled against God. He was cast out of heaven and God wrapped up the entire earth in water and it froze because God removed the, the, the shining of the sun and all of that to where this was in total darkness. And when you come across that in Genesis 1, 2, it said the earth became without form and void, and the Holy Spirit moved across the deep. Literally, he brooded across it and melted all this stuff, and God reformed the earth and put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And Satan was there to see it. And the demons that are here on the earth right now are not fallen angels. The demons were disembodied spirits of a race that was here before Adam. And they had bodies before. That's why they seek bodies. Fallen angels never had a body. Why would they seek to get into a body? And anybody that's ever seen a demon will tell you, they don't look a bit like a fallen angel. They look like impish creatures, monkeys and furry creatures and hairy creatures. In fact, the Hebrew word, one of the Hebrew words for demons is hairy ones. And so anytime you see paintings all the way back to the mid-centuries, you know, years ago, anybody that's ever seen a demon will tell you they don't look like a fallen angel. And besides, fallen angels never had a body to want one. But demons used to have a body. And I believe they were as much almost animal as they are human. They will they will seek after a, 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 a body of a pig like they did in the Bible or a dog. I've been around the world, and they'll tell you that dogs are demon-possessed. You can hear them howling at night. 
But again, they used to they used to have a body, and that's why they constantly seek a body. But fallen angels have never had a body, and uh, they can even manifest in a body. I mean, they they did in the Old Testament. Uh, elect angels could just be in a body all of a sudden, and you saw these angels. And in fact, the uh, inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah wanted to have sex with them, and they and these angels struck them blind. So again, there's there's that difference. I believe there was a, a race here before Adam, and I believe that God wrapped up the earth and destroyed it all, but the ones that were left were the spirits back then, and, and Lucifer himself. And of course, he was in the garden, and he wanted it back. And the, what's so odd is he probably had a, a hundred plans, plan A and then plan B, and if that failed, there's B1 and B2, but the crazy thing was the very first one worked. Oh. And... Uh, and Eve said, okay, and then Adam said, okay, and I'm sure Satan went, really, first time? And we, I didn't have to use these other plans? <laughs> where, he, where he exhausted his plans with, with Jesus, because he was tempted in all points with, as we are, yet he never sinned. So Satan went through the alphabet a number of times with Jesus trying to tempt him, but Jesus never went for any of it. So that's why he's called the last Adam. Wow, uh, that's, where, that's just so amazing. When the first one failed, the second one was successful. Thank but again, you know, I've talked with I've talked with Andrew about these because he doesn't believe in this. But I tell him, you know, it's not a heaven or hell issue. Yeah. It's a, right. you know, and the Bible doesn't get that much into it. But there's some excellent books out there. In fact, Finest Dake, his Bible is one of the best I've ever read on it. His notes on Genesis one one and one two. Do you say Dakes? Yeah, Finest Dake. Okay. Dake. Dake was a theological Bible for Pentecostals because he believed in the Holy Spirit speaking with tongues and divine healing and all that. But he just had some tremendous insight into the pre-Adamic world. Oh, yeah, because we, uh, you know, anyone that reads the Bible, you know, is it in, in, and they do look at dinosaurs and we look at the, the, the dinosaur bones and they're, you know, uh -huh. we, there has to be a, a, a time there where they where they existed. So, yeah. and I'm but just wondering. I believe, I, believe God yeah. turns, I believe God turns cursing into blessing. And that was a tremendous time of cursing on the earth. So God crushed the whole thing and made oil out of it for us. And we're driving wow. our cars right. on the curse that was here long before Adam was here. Wow. Amen. Well, that's good. I, really I, like I have it. heard that the the Creation Museum even has a picture of like a dinosaur and a human footprint there together. Yeah. Well, yeah. they try to say that that means that this, that this happened within the past 6,000 years. I believe mm -hmm. that was before. Mm -hmm. There was a human-type creature here, but there was no redemption for them. And that, and Brother Hagen mentioned, too, one of his books on, uh, he had three books on the origin and operation of demons. And in the first one, he wrote that he believed that demons were disembodied spirits of a race that was here before Adam. But then the publishers got very upset with him and asked him to pull the book and redo it, so he did. So a few people have those original copies. I was there when all that, you know, brouhaha was going on about demons. Oh my goodness. Yeah, mm -hmm. That's great. I mean, we, I, I could honestly just talk for hours about that just because it's so interesting to me. It is interesting. You know, about, uh, they were talking about how demons were interbreeding with humans and, you know, just things like that, just different areas, different, you know, topics of discussion. And I do like having discussions about stuff and it doesn't mean people need to argue over it or, you oh. know, yeah. You're talking about you're talking about Genesis six, and that really wasn't demons. That was fallen angels oh. that were inhabiting with women, and the offspring were giants. So yes. uh, demons demons themselves don't have sex with women, but the fallen angels can take on. They're men. I mean, every angel is. There's no such thing as a female angel. But when they take when they appeared in a human body, because angels can do that, they can appear in a human body, and you know 
and because actually angels look like human beings except for the wings, you know, but um, <laughs> they uh, but they could inhabit uh, with women, and that's where the giants came from, and God had to make sure all the giants were taken care of. In fact, it's interesting that Antichrist will be the offspring of Satan and a woman, and he's called that. And uh, just like Jesus was the offspring of God and a woman, Satan is an imitator, so he is going to have... And those movies back there years ago, you remember Rosemary's Baby and, right. you know, the movies, you know, about that. And um, anyway, wow. it's just, uh, it's been around for some time. So it's, uh, it'll be interesting to get to heaven and find out all the behind the scenes stuff that went on. Oh, absolutely. Man. Absolutely. <laughs> we have no idea of it. Yeah. yeah. It's just going to be just eye opening. We, we just, uh-huh. we're, we're so thankful, first of all, for you and uh, that you're obviously so close, by the way, which means, you know, we're, we're going to have you come down and, and minister, you know, mm-hmm. like to our church. Uh, oh, that's a long drive. That's yeah. a long drive. <laughs> you <laughs> could get, almost walk it. <laughs> you get one of those cars that drive for you, you know. Oh. We can, you know. Okay. But uh, I just wanted to say thank you for spending time with us yeah. today. And uh, all of our listeners, we just, uh, we always, you know, tell them, say, hey, listen, if you can just tune in for this, you're going to be blessed. You're going to learn some things. And that's why well, I tell you what, you sure brought it today. You know, we kind of touched on this for a second, but you you are an instructor. You do, you go to Bible colleges and do conferences yes. and all that. Yeah, I'm at CBC. I have uh, three classes at CBC. Yes. Well, you know, we were CBC students. For those of uh, those of you who don't know, we were Karis Bible College students. We took our courses here in Oklahoma City at an extension school, and uh, Bob Yandian came and spoke, and that was some of our uh, our best favorite stuff because it's very simple. It takes the word and just makes it simple and where we can do it. And that really made a huge impact on us. Yeah, it was like, you know, um, like Andrew always says, you know, you have to be trying to get it wrong. Um, yeah. And also something you said at the at the conference also, what was it? It said money makes a good slave, but a horrible master. Horrible master. Uh-huh. Well, that tell you what, that just, you know, and, I, and it, that means a lot because as we're, as we're going through stuff, um, you know, with the church and growing and things like that, you know, we have to keep the main thing about the main thing. Yep. And it's so exactly. e- so easy to just get off on tangents and so many other things going on. And it's just, you know, doing what the Lord has asked us to do and just stay focused on that and keep our vision. So yeah. any last words, anything you'd like to just put out there just for uh, anyone that might be listening or even us, just something that you feel in your spirit? Um, yeah, I think when Jesus said, when you see these things begin to come to pass, look up. He didn't say, look at the television or, you know, listen to the radio. He said, look up. So, I mean, it's fine. It's okay to watch the news and things like that, but man, don't get absorbed in it. Keep your main focus on Jesus Christ coming from heaven for you and realize, you know, the end of this thing is going to be victorious. I've read the end of the book. We win. Totally win because we're on the winning side. And I've told people before, you know, that there's going to come a day when this planet is such a mess and all that Jesus is going to come back and kick butt. And that's Good. what he's going to do. Good. And in the meantime, you know, we can rejoice in that. In the meantime, win as many souls as possible and rejoice in the Lord and get into the word of God. And, and you know what? You can be happy in the midst of the worst situations. God didn't tell us don't be happy. He said, look up, your redemption draws near. And to me, that's that's good news. Amen. And when Amen. I can look up and realize something, that the sky is going to open up and Jesus will come back and get me. And I want to take as many people with me. Yes. Somebody said this one time. The difference between a, a, a convert and a disciple, a convert's going to heaven, but a disciple's going to take people with him. Oh, that's oh, good. That's wow. good. Simple. 
and good. Uh-huh. That's good stuff there. Yep. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. So, BobYandian.com, is that correct? That's it. All right. So, if anyone wants to join, link up with him on his website, BobYandian.com. Where are you going to be next? Do you have anywhere planned yet? Where are you going to be? Yeah, I've got, I've got a meeting in Pittsburgh coming up here in a couple of weeks. So, great. I'll be there. Steel Town. Yep. Yeah. Just, just don't tell the cowboy fans. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, 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 we sure appreciate you, and we do love you. And like yes, I say, I'll be in. You. We'll be in touch with you so we can get together and have you come down to the church. And we'd love to have you. Okay. Thank yes, you, Stephen. Yes, sir. God bless you. Okay. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay. So Bob Yandian, man, we love having that guy on the show. Um, every time we talk uh, with him or actually go and, and just listen to him teach and preach and all of those good things. We just get such just, I mean, me personally, I just get such a revelation of things that, uh, you know, typically you could be like, you know, and I've, I've heard this before. If you see a, a heading or a title, right, Rebecca, just yeah, something sure. where you're, uh, you know, like, oh, if I've heard this topic before, but then you go in there and it just unravels and he just, uh, he just takes it apart and unpacks it in a way that, I haven't heard a lot of people do so. What a blessing Bob Yandian yeah, is. We we just appreciate uh, being able to talk to these folks. These guys these guys have gone on before, you know. And anything that we do from here, we're learning from them, and we're just standing on their shoulders. And that's that's a humbling and an honoring thing. Yep, absolutely. And so what I want to do is just remind you guys that coming up, we have the Encounter <laughs> OKC two two March. 24th, 25th, 26th. We'll have Mario Murillo, Andrew Womack, Lance Walnow, myself and Rebecca, Marcus and Sharon Wick, and Rich Van Winkle. Daniel Amstutz will be doing the jamming. And uh, we love that. But listen, guys, we sure love you guys and appreciate you. You guys stay tuned. Uh, subscribe to our podcast channel. We have more interviews coming up. And we just really appreciate you hanging out with us. Yep. See you next time. So we'll see you guys next time. God bless you and uh, talk soon.